1: yeah, have you have you seen how much tickets are to Coachella?
0: Oh man, we could do a whole segment if you really wanted to get me oh, going.
1: I mean, so I, like I Coachella is I signed up
0: one of the most fascinating things to me.
1: I signed up for the pre-order to Coachella for one reason and one reason only.
0: You want to go to Coachella.
1: Of course I do. And you know why I want to go? Cuz Rage Against the machines there. That's it. One. You realize Coachella is in the middle of the desert, right? I know exactly where it is. I looked it all up. It's not in the middle of the desert. It's in it, a it's, in, it's 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 inland southern cal. People people that
0: can people that can handle the heat say that, that Coachella is miserably hot. Yeah. You, Mr. Flannel, will yeah. certainly
1: Parish at Coachella. What I'll do is I will I will shave a uh, squared pattern into my chest hair there to maintain the flannel look while also maximizing the cool factor, coolness factor that <laughs> I will be uh, having. $470. That's actually not as shocking as I would have thought. I would have I actually thir- said more. It's actually, it, I mean, it is for three days. So if you say, okay, well, it's 100 and whatever, 25 a day. And that's fine. It's also a hundred and twenty dollar processing fee. So four right. tickets comes out to like eighteen hundred and change. I didn't, uh, I didn't push the buy button on them, but I'm, I'm tempted. You know, just put it on the car and let it all ride. YOLO. Are we still saying that? Is, is I that think, still a thing that's can. out there?
0: I mean, you're thirty nine, so you're, you're on the brink of. uh
1: you got a foot in each side. I'm you're not in your own. No, no, no. I don't I'm not you're defined 40, by any of these.
0: You have multiple children.
1: Lots of people have multiple children. Lots of people got no children. Lots of people are a lot of different ages and everybody's living their own life. I'm doing whatever I want. I shave a checkerboard into my chest here. You think I care about any of this stuff? Don't care. <laughs> oh, I love it. Now that ain't gonna happen. Uh the the the, the yeah. But I do want to go. So, uh, you know, just keep your ears peeled. It'll be, if, if I end up going to Coachella, it will certainly be a, like a hitchhike situation. And that's the only way Like I got to make that money back somehow selling the thing. I'm, I'm a little bit worried cause I would buy multiples and then attempt to get, you know, a little, uh, a little, you know, bump up on the resale of that mm-hmm. thing. But I'm not sure. Cause it's a very, you know, you know, it's like you, you get the, the, it's not just a, a sticker, you know what I mean? It's like a scan-it-in wristband that right. you have, and so I don't want to you know mess that up where somehow that falls apart. So I, I don't know. I'll keep you posted. I would say it's not really high likelihood at this point.
0: It, Coachella just, is so funny because, on one hand, I think it's an outstanding music festival. I mean, they book such a wide array of such amazing max. And I absolutely guarantee you that the sticker price of whatever you pay for a full pass is worth it if you maximize it. I mean, there's no question you're going to see so much good music. But on the other hand, it's become such a an Instagram world type lens. And it's just this pretty people party. I just think it's funny because I've had a lot of friends that have gone throughout the years and they continue to go now that we're into our 30s. And it just seems like it's so much
1: more... <laughs> draining and exhausting <laughs> to go to when you're not 22 anymore well you know what's more draining and exhausting everything like i had to get up to go to the bathroom and i was upset <laughs> so i had to stand get off my couch Coulter, you have a business and your business is based in the world wide web indeed i do so i'm on my computer all the time and if you're not online you're not making money and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure am i right
0: absolutely got to be cyber safe this day and age
1: well for you business owners out there whether you have an online business or a brick and mortar business it's still running through the web we all know that's a fact and in today's always on world your business demands a simpler approach to network security
0: at blackfoot communications they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of montana
1: they do they're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state.
0: So ensure your company's network is online all the time.
1: For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. It's 2 of two 1029 <laughs> ESPN Radio. Coulter, Coulter. The 20 whatever they were are over, and we're into the 20s now. Roaring 20s. Roaring 20s. Um, Biggest moment of the decade for the Cat and the Grizz. And I was thinking about this earlier. We're doing athletic departments, football, basketball. A little bit of of each? I think a little bit of each is fine. I got some ideas for for everybody involved. It it seems to me that the high-water mark... I, I would say this. The biggest moment... And it's not necessarily the best moment, but the biggest moment for the University of Montana in the last decade was the hiring for the second time of Bobby Houck. Uh, It came with the most publicity, the most uh, reaction, positive and negative, and with a level of excitement that I hadn't seen before, and also with a level of quandary of wonder of whether this thing was actually going to work out, of whether Bobby Houck in the 2020s could be the Bobby Hauk of the 2000s, both in terms of the product on the field and also just the nature of culture and the way that it's shifted, especially at the University of Montana between the time he was here the first time and the present time. And so in terms of the biggest story at the University of Montana, that was it to me. Second to
0: only the scandal that ripped oh. through campus, ripped through this town. I mean, unfortunately, the absolute biggest story in the state of Montana was all the, all the different tentacles that came off of the web that was the sexual assault scandal in- on the University of Montana campus. And they all go together and culminate, well, not, culminate's the wrong word, but somehow,
1: some way. It's Co- completely unexpectedly culminated in Bobby Hauk's return. It came back around. There's no question that's the biggest story. You're absolutely right. It also, I guess the, the Bobby Hauk is, is an instance. It's like a, it it is an event that took place that you can sort of wrap your head around, whereas this happened over time. There's multiple layers to it. There's a bunch of different perspectives on it. And while as a whole, taken as a whole, it's certainly the biggest story. Probably, in, like you said, in the state of Montana. But I, I guess I, I didn't, I didn't put that into this because it's not a, a, a moment. This thing that ha- happened at a time, it's it's broader than that. When it comes to though, the best sports moment for the University of Montana, I'm hard pressed. I mean, again, this isn't just one moment, but the, the men's basketball team, the last two seasons, and the wins that they've had, setting the all-time record in terms of. Total wins in back-to-back seasons, winning the tournament and going to the tournament uh, both years is—they were—they were the best team in the state of Montana of any sport at any level, and I, it's hard to do better than that, right? I mean, it, that's hard. It's—it's it's hard to just be better than that. And that group of you know seniors that graduated last year from that from that basketball team. Um, are legendary at the University of Montana as far as it goes. And, you know, to have watched them over the course of that time, and I think, too, I mean, the, the two moments, I guess, that stand out to me are the ones that you would expect, and that is the, the winning of the Big Sky Conference Tournament in Reno and then in Boise in back-to-back years, an individual game that stands out to me was just the absolute dismantling. I mean, the crushing of Weber State, who I thought was going to be the next best team in the conference. They actually matched up in the semifinal last year in Boise. Uh, and then the, the Eastern Washington game was... They, they In fact, they came from behind twice against Eastern Washington in back-to-back years to do it. Mm-hmm. You have the Bobby Moorhead, you know, run to the three-point line, turn around bomb two years ago mm-hmm. to... to to get it back, to bring it back from the edge. I mean, that's the game of games. That Eastern Washington game, oh, the Northern Colorado game. Ago. The
0: game the, before. four. Right, right. Or the Northern that's Colorado game. Yeah, run yeah, back, yeah, and, yeah then had, Colorado. and then they
1: had the great. I think I that think was, was the semifinal.
0: Right, and then in the final they had the thirteen nothing run out of the locker room. They it looked like they were drained after the Northern Colorado game. Yep. Then they had the thirteen nothing run. And had like a locker room 18 consecutive stops. 18 consecutive stops. Amon Nori slapping the floor and just laughing at Mr. Yes.
1: Washington. Yeah. That's when I knew he was a dog. Yeah. That was unbelievable. So anyway, that would be to me uh the height for the University of Montana, like the best the best moment there. I think that the 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 moment that probably it's easy to
0: forget it because it was at the very beginning of the decade, but the moment that probably resonated on a national level more than any other moment, because the Grizz basketball team has, they won five conference championships this decade. So they were, I mean, every other year they went to the NCAA tournament, give or take, I mean, five out of 10 times they Mm -hmm. went and they went back to back years, two of those times, but certainly the most successful program in the big sky this decade, University of Montana men's basketball, but the most significant national moment, because those Grizz teams, almost all of them, went to the tournament and ran into Wisconsin, Syracuse, Michigan, and Michigan. The only, the only even kind of good draw was when they got New Mexico, which was still not a good draw, but they were more competitive than against you know the 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 Wolverines. true blue bloods. But it was in 2010 in the Big Sky Conference championship game when Anthony Johnson scored 30 plus consecutive points after halftime. I mean, he won an ESPY. He scored 42 points. I mean, he, he won, it was the moment of the year at the ESPY Awards. He yeah. won an SB. So on a national level, I think you can't really dispute that it's that was one. the most impactful it's moment. A, a good one. And then now in retrospect, not only did he score points in bunches, but that game was the first of a three-year span where Montana knocks Damian Lillard and the Weaver State Wildcats yep. out and kept them out of the NCAA tournament. And Lillard... Never was went. no question the greatest player in Big Sky Conference history, especially now retrospectively as he, as he continues to add to his legacy as an all-NBA player. He never went to the NCAA tournament. That's crazy. Because of Anthony Johnson and Will Cherry, that, that group of guys kept him out. And so I think that one you, you have to really point to. As far as specific moments, you, know, you pointed to Bobby Houck's return. As far as Grizz football goes, that's that's definitely one of them. Probably the biggest news-making event. This decade is, is sort of cut in half. Yes, it is. Because when the Grizz missed the playoffs in 2010 under Robin Flugrad, the scandal had not hit yet. But everybody wondered if that was going to be the first step towards the erosion of what had been without peer greatness in the Big Sky Conference. At that moment when when Montana State won in Missoula, to cap the 2010 season, it snapped a se- 17 years in a row that the Grizz made the playoffs. 12 years in a row the Grizz won the Big Sky Conference championship. In the meantime, the Cats win the Big Sky Conference championship with Denarius McGee as a redshirt freshman as the Big Sky Offensive Player of the Year. They go to the playoffs, and then in 2011, you're eleven, you're year two under grad. they get it rolling a little bit, but you're still you're still kind of tenuous on where we're at with this coach who's running the spread. I mean, Robin Flugrad had Oregon roots, so they're doing a whole bunch of stuff that was completely different than what people had been used to seeing under Joe Glenn and then Bobby Hauk. Like, the previous 10 years had been physical football ground and pound. We're winning with defense and clock management, and now all of a sudden we're throwing bubble screens. And that was, that was a... Uh, it was a hearkening to the the Don Reed, Dave Dickinson days, but it was not the same as what people had seen for the last 10 years, so people were still a little bit tenuous on where Flugrad could take the program. But... Then, as that team continued to gain steam, Montana State also continued to gain steam. And Montana State was the darling of the country. They got this sophomore quarterback who's the best player in the big sky, and he's just a winner. And he's winning and winning and winning. And you got this great running back in Cody Kirk, and you have all these different pieces. And they ascend all the way to number one in the country. And And I remember... that they play Montana. I remember I wrote a cover story about the history of the rivalry and the way it had tilted back and forth... Throughout the decades, and it was the cover story for our Cat magazine at the Bozeman Daily Chronicle. And I remember I didn't write the headline on it, though. And the cover story, the headline was, is the tide turning in the greatest rivalry in the West? And the story was just about how the tide had turned back and forth and how that 2011 game was a pivotal moment for Montana State to truly affirm and seize momentum. But then Montana goes into Montana State and destroys the number one team in the country. And that Grizz team rolls all the way to the semifinals of the playoffs. They yep. killed Northern Iowa 48-10. to 10, And I remember watching that game in a bar in Huntsville, Texas, after watching Montana State get destroyed. And all I kept thinking to myself was, man, as much hype as the cats were able to build for about a year and a half here, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Because mm. in reality, it's the Grizz that are still in the Final Four and the Cats are still, you know, the ones that are are chasing the glory. Trying to get there. Yeah. And but then the all the things that happened over the next six months from it, it, all this speculation about this Rampant sexual assault scandal involving all these football players, then to the true charging, criminal charging of two different greatest football players, then to the absolutely insane publicity that the Jordan Johnson trial received, then to the John Krakauer book and the revelations of all the mishandlings of all sorts of sexual assault cases, both on campus and in this community, to the Department of Justice coming to Missoula, to the NCAA coming to Missoula, the scandal exploded to a level that I think no one could ever have comprehended. And the fact that Montana, University of Montana navigated it, I mean, they are still licking their wounds from that. There's no question. You look at their enrollment numbers, you look at the work that they've had to do with the football team to repair its image, to repair its productivity, all those things. But when you actually look at it, it is actually in one way a testament to the strength of the foundation of the program. Because even with... One of the craziest scandals you could have in a small college town, the football program still only had one losing season. They still only fired one coach. They've had four head coaches. I guess Robin Flugrad was fired because of the scandal and Bob Stitt not yeah. renewed. But I guess the whole point is that it, it could have been even more. It could have been way bigger pile of smoldering ashes and it
1: wasn't quite that, even though it definitely had huge impacts on the program. One other thing, uh Thing at the University of Montana, then we'll go to Montana State. That I think you'd just be crazy not to mention. In the context of this, was the retirement of Robin Selvig. Absolutely, uh, Robin Selvig, the the greatest coach in the state in the history of the state of Montana. I think you could you can say. I mean, maybe you know, there's some high school guys who are absolutely epic in, in their mm-hmm. you know at the, at their level and then what they did, but uh, you know what he. I mean, eight hundred and sixty-five wins. I mean, come on. You know, so so anyway, so his tenure coming to a close, and 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 somewhat surprisingly, I mean, I think that that's you know, a, a lot of people. He, you know, he's been here forever, but he's not. You know, by no means an old guy or whatever. You know, as right, far he's as he's in, in go, his late
0: sixties, but he's in great health, and, and finally he had decided great enthusiasm that,
1: for it. that you know it was it was time, and and so I was like, wow, uh, whoa! And, I mean, he, I don't even think a lot of people had thought anything other than a passing thought about, well, what's after, what's after Rob, you know, but, but uh, that, that moment in that press conference, I'll never, you know, I'll never forget a very emotional one and, and, uh, and one that, that rep, you know, that that culminated 40 years of tremendous history uh, at the University of Montana and in women's basketball as a sport. Period. I mean, women's college basketball now, still to this day, without question, is the height of the sport. It's not the WNBA. The WNBA is going to win any game, of course, that they sure. play against the college. But in terms in of America, for in sure. America, but in, but in terms of interest and in terms of of uh, uh, publicity, the 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 women's college game is the pinnacle of women's basketball, and and Robin Selvig was on the forefront and instrumental in. A lot of that uh, to to build it to what it's become, and and uh, and then for him to step away was you know just a, a major point of reflection, and and uh, and congratulations, and also sort of a, a wow moment.
0: And when you talk about Montana State women's basketball, those two things go hand in hand because Trisha Binford was hired at Montana State in the early two thousands, and that program was in a state of disarray. I mean, they had had multiple coaches that had been Uh, involved in... I don't know. We don't need to delve too far into it because a lot of it was sort of not in the public eye, but they they had had two not great situations Mm. back-to-back, and then they hired Coach Binford, and she won three games her first year, and then Montana State was basically solid for the next 10, and not on par with the Lady Mm Grizz. And the the moment that it shifted, it shifted, and it's never come back. And Coach Binford has now led Montana State to the first NCAA tournament berth since 1991. And this Bobcat team looks like they're in line to probably do that again. And they've won the regular season title a couple times. And they've been in the top half of the league. And now they've won seven out of eight against the Lady Grizz after losing, I, mean, I think Robin Selvig lost 10 times to the Cats in 40 years. So it's shifted. And now you wonder, with Benford here in her 16th season, it, it was going to be. It was going to be impossible for Benford to catch Selvig because Selvig had been on the job for yeah. some thirty years by the yeah, time Trish was hired. Well, now Trish has a. She's that big the most a, veteran coach in the in the league. She's right? the most veteran coach in the league, and she yep. has that big of a, of a gap yep. over everybody else. Yep. And so you wonder, you know, if you if you're getting the main Montana girls, and you are one of the main. Montana schools in women's basketball, they draw so well. If you get the top recruits, you're going to have a top program. And you just wonder if the shift is going to continue. Because as of right now, since Coach Selvig retired, Bedford has taken that momentum and ran with it. And Mm -hmm. Montana State has been the women's basketball team in the state. And that's crazy to think because Montana was not only the women's basketball program in the state, not only in the conference, but one of the greatest in the region, one of the greatest in the Western United States, one of the greatest Mm -hmm. in the country. I mean, Street and Smith Magazine had Montana as the number seven basketball program, women's basketball program of all time. Up there with UConn, Tennessee, Stanford, Notre Dame, Montana. And yeah. so for Montana State to be able to take advantage after the legend
1: steps away, to me that's the biggest women's basketball moment of the decade. Sutel Nuanas, one oh two nine ESPN radio. Uh Coulter for Montana State. When I look at their the 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 athletic department in general and especially you know buoyed by the football team and they've done they've done some amazing stuff where you talked we talked briefly about the rodeo team yesterday being mm-hmm. nationally elite rodeo team but certainly not with the sort of eyeballs and, and and national interest or even regional interest that you get for football or basketball I realize you know with coach Ash Montana state ascended to number one in the nation at one stage as you right. already touched on. The biggest moment for the Montana State Bobcats in this decade, this past decade, just happened, as far as I'm concerned. A fourth consecutive win over the Grizzlies to have the first graduating class in, I don't know, how, you, you'll you know better than I how long to have since, never lost.
0: Since Sonny Holland was the head coach in the okay. late 70s. I think late, the, late 70s. I think the, I think the uh, 74 to 78 Bobcats mm-hmm. was the last time that a uh, team went
1: undefeated so against the So 40 Grizzlies. years. Since since you yeah that's right it's four I think forty two years forty two years yep uh, since uh, that has ever happened and then to to prove it so to speak by not winning one but two postseason football games after a bye and being in the national semifinal um, that is that th- that's the high water mark in terms of a postseason run since the eighty four national championship run this is th- this is the best class. As far as football goes since nineteen eighty four at Montana State and it happened this past season. Uh and it obviously has been building in the last couple of seasons, but but sort of being stamped in this season and, and that is the biggest moment, the best moment to me for Montana State athletics in this past decade.
0: When it comes to football, men's and women's basketball in this state there's there's gonna be a never ending argument over Is too much made out of a specific rivalry, especially when the rivalries are fierce like they are at Auburn, Alabama or Montana, Montana State or wherever it might be. But in this state, especially when it comes to football, it's a 365 day a year rivalry. The coaches always say that, but it's also so important because so many of the kids in the state pay attention to the rivalry, have preconceived notions about where they want to go. And the rosters are built of Montana kids.
1: In football. In football. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the, the, the rivalry is the rivalry, Caggers, for
0: football. And women's basketball. Because women's basketball has yeah. so many Montana girls on the rosters as well. Yeah. Okay. And and women's basketball is absolutely the most popular women's sport in the state of Montana. I mean, the Lady Grizz are averaging like 3,200 fans a game right now. I mean, they, they, they're they drawing at a
1: top 30 level in the country. Oh, it's, it's you, it, the most popular women's sport, did you say? Oh, no question. Yeah, not close. Of right. course. Yeah.
0: But from a football, strictly football perspective, for Montana State to go through the, just the, the the horrendous mentality that came along with the streak, mm-hmm. losing 16 years in a row, being the superior program and then having your rival lap you and then lap you and lap you and lap you and lap you and, lap you and just the, all the vitriol and all the bad feelings and all the entrenched mindset that came with that, it takes a full two decades to chip away at that, and Montana State, even in that to, that 2011 season when they got killed by the Grizz in Bozeman, they could have then regressed, but they kept going, and they won in Missoula the next year, and they maintained their status as a top 10 program. And then when things when when it became readily apparent that they couldn't take the next step under the last coaching staff, to go fully opposite side of the spectrum, fire the winningest coach in school history and hire this energetic and maniacal coach in Jeff Choate. Who's never been a head coach at the college level. Who's never been a head coach. To have it happen during a time when your athletic director position is actually in flux and then Peter Fields let go very soon after. I mean, internally, it came down to Jeff Choate and another guy and they almost hired the other guy and who knows where they would have been right now. But, to continue to work at it, continue to work at it, but then also the last four years to harness the momentum of your town and your university and use it to your advantage in almost every aspect of athletics, not the least of which has been football, I think that that's probably the defining moment for Montana State is the fact that they kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And a lot of people would say the Grizz set the pace for the 21st century, but the Bobcats kept pace, and then they pulled even, and then at the end of the decade, with a 48-14 win in Bozeman, they inched ahead. And yep. I think that's that's sort of the defining factor right now. And that's yep. not to say that Montana, I mean, again, I think Montana deserves a ton of credit for going through everything that they went through and still having the foundation of a program that they still do. And I expect them to be back in a big way. They already were this year, but I expect it to continue. But I think that just using the momentum that is that exists in the Gallatin Valley and not folding
1: when it comes to the football aspect, to me, that's the defining moment of the decade for the Cats. It's 2TEL New Orleans, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Kendall Manuel, the player of the week. That's back-to-back players of the weeks in the first two weeks of the season for men's basketball at the University of Montana. We'll highlight his week next.
0: Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not.
1: The Grizzlies went 1-1 one one this weekend. This is kind of an ironic deal. Now, everybody was a winner and a loser, I think, this week. Northern Colorado, I guess, went 2-0. and So they're maybe the one team that, you know, a lot of times it's about winning both games when they give out these weekly awards. But when you have a guy who scores 30 points in a game, it's kind of tough to pass that guy up. And Kendall Manuel, 13 of 16, Thirty points, averaged twenty-three and a half points in the two games over the course of the the road uh, sweep. Uh, not, not road sweep; they were sweeping across the country, is what I mean to say. They split the games: one one win at Southern Utah and then the loss at Northern Colorado. The irony, though, is by far his much better game was in the loss, but nonetheless still getting the uh, the weekly Big Sky Conference award for Kendall Manwell. And I believe this is his first one of these. Is that right? Is he did he win one before? Uh, so uh, congratulations to uh, to him on that. I thought uh, I thought Jonah Radabaugh, Radabaugh probably had a, a a good argument to be made for that as well, but I mean a lot of times, look, it does come down to offense, right? I mean that's what they look at on this kind of thing. It does uh, outstanding, and it what I mean his game, individual game against Northern Colorado was outstanding. It was
0: f- against phenomenal. Against Montana, I mean. You said no, no, Paul? no. no. Uh, Kendall, Kendall Manwell's, Manwell's against, against Northern, Northern Colorado. Colorado.
1: Yeah, yes, yes. Randbaugh was great against both uh, against both Montana State and Montana. And he was tasked with guarding Harold Frey inside Pritchett, two yeah. of the best players in the league. And yeah. he did a great job against them. But uh, but nonetheless, uh, that's a, a nice feather in the cap, certainly for Kendall Manwell. The Grizzlies. Play uh, Thursday, Montana men's and women's basketball teams against Eastern Washington, but then are off on Saturday. So this is the end of the sort of awkward five game start to the season where they started on the Monday and then did the Thursday, Saturday, Thursday uh, thing, you know, h- however it went, Saturday, Monday, whatever. I don't know how the days work. I don't know the succession of weeks. None of this matters to me. But uh, in any case, they'll play on Eastern Washington and then have the weekend off before they uh, get going again uh, next week. So this will be a big this is a huge game for Montana. Look, we can say right now, can't we, Coulter, that the even though everybody is sort of all in the pack, three and one is the top one and three is the the worst, or even one and two. It seems to me that the contenders in the Big Sky Conference are the two Montana schools, Northern Colorado, Eastern Washington, and I'm gonna give a sleeper still to southern Utah. And how about Weaver State? Maybe It'd be interesting. Did did Weber State not lose to Idaho? Did I see that? They, right? they Weber State
0: held on for a one point victory in Idaho. Idaho had a shot at the buzzer to win the game and they missed.
1: Okay, and who did Weber State lose to? Because they do have a loss on their schedule. I don't know who it was that they lost to. Look, anytime you have Jarek Harding, seems to me you're in pretty good shape. And Weber State, yeah, of course, like fair enough. Randy Ray knows what he's doing, and you're not going to sleep on the Wildcats. But uh, I mean, they got they lost by like sixty to 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 Utah State. And then they, they barely get by an Idaho team who's lost how many games to Division two schools? Three three in a row. Okay. And Eastern, okay, thank you, David. Eastern Washington's who jumped up and got Weber State. That's so not a bad loss. No, I mean, it's, it's not a East, bad Eastern's, loss.
0: Eastern's the best team in the league.
1: Okay. In my opinion. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's fair. But all I'm saying is, I think those are your teams. Uh, you also told me, though, that Idaho State.
0: I know there's a couple of junior college guys that no one has a scout on yet, yeah. and we'll see. We'll see how those guys adjust. Because as we know, I mean Harold Frey's a great example. When you got sixty games of film on Harold Frey, you know you know his tendencies. And he, uh-huh. every even the greatest players have tendencies. So people know you know, you, you hard hedge the high ball screen with Harold Frey. You don't let him shoot the step back. When he gets in the paint, you rough him up. You put a body on him. You knock him in the ground. When you become an elite player especially when you are not only an elite player, but you don't have a, a secondary go-to guy. Or you, I mean, Saeed Pritchett is another great example, right? Saeed Pridget was an 18 points per game scorer a year ago, but he was the fourth guy for Montana, even though he ended up being their leading scorer. you know what I'm saying? Yep. And now Saeed Pridgett is the number one guy on the scouting report. How do you react to that? Mm-hmm. That's one thing Tyler Hall never got enough credit for. Tyler Hall established exactly what he could and could not do at Montana State, right out the gate. Mm -hmm. And then everybody tried to take it away from him. And about 20% of the time they could, and 80% of the time he still did whatever he wanted. Yeah, I mean, and he had some horrific, you know, three for 17 nights every once in a while, but he also had games where he hit nine threes. And so, you know, when people know what you can do and you can still do it, that's the true sign of greatness. But I want to talk about Weber State just for a quick minute, because Weber State has been the only school in the league that could say that they're a peer program to the university of Montana this decade. Right. Yeah. And they've had some of the best talent in the league, no question. Damian Lillard, Jeremy Sanglin, Joel Ballenboy, all three of those guys went to the NBA. Sanglin and Ballenboy have kind of been hanging around on two-way contracts playing in the D-League, but still, I mean, that's an out- those are outstanding players in the history of the Big Sky Conference.
1: But the last three years— Did you say Damian? I said Damian, yeah, okay. Damian Lillard, absolutely. I must have glazed over it.
0: But since that, since that last Weber State team that beat Montana in the— they had championship and then went on to play Villanova, that team that was led by Jeremy Sanglin and Joel Ballenboy. Yep. Weber State has had 20 wins, 20 wins, and 18 wins. For everybody else in the league, that's great. But when you're talking about Randy Ray's squads are 25 wins and has upwards of 30 wins a couple times, and you have some of the best players the league has seen this century, well, now, I mean, Jarek Harding's a nice player, but we've seen this last couple of years. Weber, their, their league win totals have been, they went 12 and six. 13 and 5, 11 and 9. And, and those are not elite records by any means, but also they've really struggled down the stretch each of the last three seasons. They've let chemistry issues get in the way. Last year, they had a talented team, and there was all sorts of infighting. And give Montana all the credit in the world in that semifinal game of the Big Sky Tournament, the Grizz took Weaver State apart. They dismantled Weaver State. But also, you could tell that Weaver State was not that keen and being on the same floor. They were not that interested in being there. So I guess I just wonder, I mean, Ray Ray got this gigantic contract extension. He's the only coach in the league that has the job security that he has. He deserves it. I mean, they he's won the league five times. He's been the league coach of the year four times. But when he got that extension, that eight-year extension that he got, and with a salary that's much loftier, at least in terms of base salary, than anybody else in the league, they have not been what they once were. And I just wonder, I mean, it's like it's like Jeff Cho at Montana State always says, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. Nobody in college sports is staying the same. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened at Montana State football. They got better, better, better until they leveled out for one season, and then they got worse. And as soon as you start getting worse, you have to fix it. And we were since that NCAA tournament team, 2015-16 – They've gotten worse, no question about it. Okay. They had,
1: they've got good individual players, but not the same quality of guys that they once had. You're so right. And by the way, David did point out to me, Weber has also now lost their second league game uh, to Northern Arizona, and they're 1-2 in conference play with one win by one point over what could be the worst team in the Big Sky Conference mm-hmm. in Idaho. This is the thing that's so puzzling to me because, in addition, Jared Harding's a great player. A lot of people know Jerick. Cody John and Israel Barnes are great players, phenomenal players. And Cody John was injured a couple years ago, but came back It was was a very good player last year. And he was he was highly touted, sort of Jarek Harding esque when they came in together. And then Jarek Harding, because he was playing, you know, kind of kind of ran away with some of the publicity. And uh, Israel Barnes. I mean, he would have been second only to, to Him Himmons, the freshman of the year last year in the Big Sky Conference, and he's, he's an outstanding player. You got three, potentially sort of all-conference types of players on one team, you should be better than this five and nine and one and two in the big sky I mean that it's early look it's very early three games okay you're not going to sit here right off Weber State or anything like that but I'm with you because it hasn't been talent totally I mean he's getting I mean, the dudes I mean last year last year they had Cody John back healthy and Jared Harding
0: but then they also had Zach Braxton who was the best pure big in the league besides Jamarco yep and they had Breckett Chapman, who at one point in his life was the number one recruit out on of the state of Utah and one of the top 50 recruits in the country.
1: Went to Utah. Went to, U- went to play U- U- for Larry Utah. Couldn't pass a yep. drug
0: test. Ends up back at Weber State. There's all sorts of rumors as what happened there, but I mean the guy's a six foot nine three who also led the league in shot blocking. I mean he's, an un- I mean, he's a he's tremendous a tremendous player. He's an outside of the big sky level of talent yes. in every way. I mean he's a six nine guy who can shoot threes and protect the rim. There's no there's none of those in the big yeah. sky, and they went eleven and nine in league last year. So I don't know. I just think that there's a, there's some questions that are arising from Weber State, and I think that when you talk about the momentum of programs in the league, that's going to be the biggest challenge for Travis Teakir is after losing he he inherited a great team and then he refortified it with his own guys and now his core group of guys have moved on and now he's trying to refortify it again how does he keep the program at least at a manageable level when you have a program like northern colorado who it seems like they have upward trajectory under jeff linder mm-hmm. eastern washington certainly has upward trajectory i mean if you're talking about appeasing to new age kids and recruits who you want to play for more than Shante leggins yeah <laughs> right i mean Shante leggins is is one of the great in-game coaches in the league, just in terms of engendering his players with confidence. That's right. I mean, he takes all the pressure off of you. He yep. takes all the pressure on himself. Yep. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see the way that these these programs sort of ebb and flow. But I do I, I agree with you, but I do think that Weber, especially with Jarek Harding, have been in and out of the lineup with an injury Weaver has some work to do to maintain
1: that that status amongst the Big Sky elite. 2 one of two ninety ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Greg Bell coming up in 15 minutes, covers the Seahawks for the Tacoma News Tribune. Uh, does a great job, unbelievable, actually. I'm really interested to hear what he's got to say about the Seahawks as they are right now heading into Green Bay this weekend. But next couple quick updates from the world of the high school basketball uh, ranks, where teams are, what the standings are a little bit, and also Montana Grizzlies do uh, land a new quarterback recruit commit. We'll get to that. Colter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure am i right absolutely got to be cyber safe this day and age well for you business owners out there whether you have an online business or a brick and mortar business it's still running through the web we all know that's a fact and in today's always on world your business demands a simpler approach to network security
0: at blackfoot communications they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana.
1: They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state.
0: So ensure your company's network is online all
1: the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure Online with Blackfoot. One thing, quickly, just wanted to uh, update people on, but Sam Vidlock from Hidden Valley High School in Grants Pass, Oregon, is a quarterback. He's committed to the University of Montana for the class of 2021. So this is just a verbal commitment. Young kid still uh, got... I guess we're two years of high school left. We've no, got one more. He's a junior
0: now. Yeah, he'll, he'll be a senior, a senior next year. He'll in the fall of, the, of this next fall.
1: But uh, he was a first team All State quarterback uh, in Oregon, 6-1 and uh, purportedly a 4'8", 7'40. So, you know, you can I don't know. You know, you, you're running downhill, wind at your back. Somebody missed the start with the clock. Who knows? But nonetheless, uh, you know, an interesting deal, especially at the position. And, uh, Always looking for people. This is obviously not a guy to, to fill the shoes of Dalton Sneed, but the pipeline that is the position of quarterback is a unique one because it is, oh, it it's it is usually the only position on the field where it's just one dude at the spot. I mean, every other position, maybe center, right, it gets rotated out, uh, but quarterback, it's it's like, okay, well, who's the guy? And I think that there's
0: a couple pretty common philosophies when it comes to this. There's the ref, recruit for the competition and then and then fill in with depth. So, in other words, like Montana State did leading up to the 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 off the offseason following the 2013 season. They knew they had Denarius McGee graduating. They knew he had been a four-year starter. So you recruit for the competition. Yep. You recruit so you know you got Quinn McQuarrie, Tanner Roderick, Jake Bleskin, and Dakota Prukop about to battle it out, to, to to come after this guy and and take the starting quarterback job. And then probably, once you get your starter, like they did with Dakota Percut, maybe you don't emphasize recruiting the position quite as much. But then the other philosophy is the one that Bobby Houck abides by, and that's just get a true quarterback that you plan on playing at quarterback in every class. And so they brought in Robbie Patterson, the junior college transfer, mm-hmm. to fill in that junior class, because they don't have any junior quarterbacks. They're going to have Garrett Graves as a quarterback slash whatever else he might do for their sophomores. And they have Carson Rostad as their true true slash probably going to redshirt freshman. And they have Chris Brown coming off of a redshirt. So they have a quarterback in each class. They just needed a junior quarterback. It's very similar to why they brought in Cam Humphrey, even though they knew they had Dalton Sneed and at that time, Chris Jensen. Yeah. Fill in the classes. But, you know, or, or then you can also recruit the Jeff Chope model. Recruit nothing but quarterbacks. But maybe not traditional quarterbacks, and see where they see where you can find a, a spot for them. I mean, totally. I think there's 20 plus quarterbacks on the Montana State roster, but a lot of those guys are playing other positions. You know, including first team all league guys like Braden Conkle, Troy Anderson, Nolan Askelson's a starter who used to play quarterback in high school. So yep. you know, it's a lot of times, especially Montana kids, you can find to go both ways. But as far as this kid committing. I don't think it has any crazy impact on the program in the here and now, other than the fact that I do think that it's a really good idea to me to recruit the Northwest more prevalently than the Grizz have the last couple years. Bobby Houck has always said, we want kids who can drive to games from where their hometown is so they can come see a game without it being their official visit. So when they come on their official visit, we can show them campus, we can show them the program, we can show them the Champion Center, but then they can also experience game day with their parents on and their, their families yeah. on their own, and that, I mean that's kind of the the way that Montana recruited so well last decade was just leaving blocks of tickets for potential recruits and letting them recruit themselves a lot of times. Yeah, and if you just go watch, to watch the Grizzly and watch the Grizz win in in huge fashion, like they had a huge group of recruits in for the Southeastern Louisiana game. A bunch of those guys ended up signing because they were like, well, I want to win 73 to whatever (laughs) in the playoffs. Uh, But I do think it's a good idea to get back into Oregon because for whatever reason, both Montana and Montana State decided to just wave the white flag in in Washington and Oregon the last couple of years. And it's been a huge factor in Eastern Washington's rise. Mm. Eastern Washington's been able to get all the non-Oregon and Washington recruits and all the non-Pac-12 guys who are probably as good, if not better, than Big Sky-level talent. You know, the guys that are between Big Sky and Mountain West-type talents, there's a ton of those guys in Washington. Maybe not quite as many in Oregon, but there's still some. Yep. And almost all of them, they're going to Eastern Washington. So I think that the is getting back into Oregon, which it seems like that's a priority I think that's a good idea. And I mean think about how much success Montana State has had the last couple of years in Washington, especially Western Washington. I mean, Jeff Chope brought a lot of his Washington ties over to Montana State and they've done a good job. And I, I just think that it's it's beneficial to the programs twofold. You can get some guys who are maybe a little bit a little bit under recruited but are are certainly good FCS players, maybe even a little bit more talented than that. But also then you're making sure the Eastern Wash doesn't get all of them. Yeah you, you got to have a ba- you got to got to have a battleground there. You can't just let all the kids
1: in Washington go to Eastern Washington if they don't go to Washington and Washington state. Well, if you're going to recruit Oregon and your Montana, if it's a quarterback, okay, it's fine, but yeah, probably worth getting Dante Olson and Tyrone Holmes if you can. No doubt. Uh, all right, Coulter. Let's quickly shift over to basketball, just for a quick moment. We've talked a little bit about Double A. Let's do some of the, the 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 smaller classifications, just in terms of where they're at right now. I think people, you know, is early on, but about eight, depending on who it is, six to eight games into the season, and we've just started conference play uh, in a lot of these places. But Harden right now rolling through Class A. They're three and zero in Southwest A, but they are eight and zero overall. Miles City in the Northwest six and one, and then Butte Central seven and zero. So the top of Of Class A for boys basketball right now One loss between three Schools I mean very very good uh, In Class A as you would expect and those Those three are right now have Separated themselves really from the pack
0: Well there's no question as to why I mean Famous left hand led Harden To the state championship when he was a sophomore and they lost in the state championship game last year so I mean Famous left hand has the greatest name in all of high school basketball in Montana, and he also in all is the, the best player. I mean, he's he's a great player. He's a really great player. So it'll be interesting to see how his recruitment works out yep. because uh, he's been one of the the most fun guys to watch in the state. So the fact that hardens off to a, a good start, not a surprising
1: class A. Uh, in in uh, in class B right now, Harlem is uh, five and one in uh, in two B, and uh, and so they are. Go, they're doing a nice job there as well. On the girls' side uh, of things in Southwest, A, Hamilton is 2-0, but they're 4-3 overall. So Southwest had a little bit of tough time out of conference. Haver, 5-1, uh, and uh, but they're 2-0 in conference. So is Sydney, 2-0 there. But on the top of everybody, Billings Central, 6-0, uh, undefeated so far this season, 2-0 in conference. Harden, by the way, 7-1 there, one loss, 2-0. Billing Central, but Harden also a very good team, 2-1 in and and Conference 7-1 in total.
0: Sometimes there's connections between fall sports and winter sports success. Sometimes there's disconnects, but I think that probably the strongest connection is between success in bo- volleyball and success in basketball mm. on the girls' side. Mm. Billing Central won. I know nothing about the Billing Central high school girls' athletic department right now, but Billing Central won Class A for the third straight time in volleyball. The fact that they're the undefeated the reason. in basketball, yeah. it does it makes complete yeah. sense because yeah. it's probably a similar group of, of young ladies.